Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Have you ever walked by somebody who was writing something down and you glance and you read a portion of it as you go by? And then you think to yourself, wait a minute, there's got to be more to the story than what I just read. That's kind of what it feels like, at least to me this morning, when we read the epistle. Here, Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. That's a congregation that he's very familiar with. So he spent many months in that city, only a few years before. And clearly, they're struggling several issues and challenges. So he's impressing upon them what it means to live as Christ's church. Now that much is clear. But he's also describing the Exodus in a way as to claim that the Israelites were being accompanied by Christ and that they were even tempting him. So clearly, we need to walk by again, a little bit slower, look over his shoulder and read more so we understand the context. If we do that, what we read is this. It's just a few verses right before our epistle reading. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Run like you mean it. Run like you want to win. That is the message to them. And he's using an analogy of a race. Then immediately what follows is what we read today. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual drink, uh, food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So now it's starting to make a bit more sense. The Corinthians, they need to run like they mean it. And what that means for them 
is turning from the evils of their day. And those evils? Idolatry, sexual immorality, grumbling. These were the habits that Paul was imploring that church to abandon. These were the practices, at least for them, that would cause their race to be lost. And they would find themselves disqualified for the eternal prize. So now it makes much more sense. He was connecting the new church, the one after the resurrection of Christ, with the old church, the one before it. He was showing that they really were no different. They were both attached to Jesus. They were both following Him. Now just as Paul connects that church, his church in Corinth, to the historic church, I'd like to do the same for us. And I'd like to view this letter in the same light. What can we learn about ourselves through the church in Corinth? That's a very timely question because we are now deep in the season of Lent. It's a time when we are invited to take a moment and reflect on the status of our own race. How are we doing? Are we running like we mean it? Are we running to acquire a prize? Or have we been walking? We're sitting. What are the idols in our lives that have distracted us from this race? What are the bad habits, the bad practices that we've adopted this year? And what are the temptations that that we have succumbed to? You see, Lent Lent is a time when we can be honest with ourselves and when we can be honest with God. It's a time when we can explore the areas of our lives where we would prefer to keep hidden, prefer to just not think about. But as we list these out, we might also be tempted to list the areas where we haven't fallen short, where we have stood strong. So Paul reminds us of the sin of vanity. He says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. We all have areas in our lives that are not pleasing to God. We all have sins that we embrace. 
that we feed, maybe even enjoy. And the moment that we believe we don't, that's the moment that we risk falling away, that we turn our eyes from God and turn inward towards our prideful selves. And that's what Paul warns us about. And he continues. He even goes deeper than that. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Right there. Two verses right there. Those are gospel verses. Those are good news verses. He knows that true reflection of self will weigh us down. And we'll feel the burden of God's law. And so he supplies us with good news. And it really comes down to two words in this passage. uh, Temptation and faith. Our temptation. God's faithfulness. See, what Paul is saying in all of this is that even in our failure to be faithful to him, when we fall into temptation, God, he will always be faithful to us. Paul writes that Israel couldn't be faithful to God. They succumbed to their temptations. They grumbled. Turning to idols were immoral. But even in spite of this, God continued to be faithful to them. And to the church today, God will continue to be faithful as well. Even when we are not. Even in our own times, of unfaithfulness, even when we fall into temptation, God remains and will always remain faithful. And what is that faithfulness? The promise of a way out after Adam's fall. Even after he and Eve withdrew their trust from God. Even after Israel withdrew her trust from God. And even after we withdraw our trust from God. He remains and remained faithful and he provided a way out through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus on the cross. And it was a blood offering 
that he promised to Adam and Eve and that he fulfilled in Jesus. Because he was faithful to that promise, we can rest assured that he will be faithful in his promise that faith in Christ will lead to forgiveness of our sins and an everlasting and life everlasting in the world to come. So this is the confidence that Paul invites us to have today. It's not a confidence in ourselves. It is not a confidence that we acquire because we overcome daily temptation through our own strength and our own might. It's a confidence that starts with the recognition of our weakness. We are weak. We are powerless against temptations of the world. But Jesus is not. He overcame all temptation and he offers us his strength through faith in him. Our temptation, God's faithfulness, our weakness, and Christ's strength. This is how the race is run. This is how the race is won. Let us pray. Father God, how wonderful to know that you have provided all that is necessary to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Your grace truly is sufficient to supply whatever needs and necessities we may have to face. And thank you that no matter how difficult the circumstances and the temptations that arise in our lives, your grace is sufficient for your strength is made perfect in our weakness. In your name we pray. Amen.